Amen. Okay, so here's where we're going. Um, it's a little creaky, so I'm going to move. I hope that doesn't mess with your camera. Okay. Um, when life is bearing down on us, uh, when burdens seem beyond our strength, here's three things we're going to look at. Number one, it's an opportunity to rely on God and not trust in ourselves. Second, when life is bearing down on us, when burdens seem beyond our strength, number two, we can hope with an active, anticipating trust uh, that he's going to deliver me. And then third, when life is bearing down on us, when burdens seem beyond our strength to endure, uh, praying helps, prayer helps, and giving thanks to God is good. Okay, so now, before we begin, let me just highlight um, the obvious premise within each point, namely, life at times, and Jordan did such a great job last week, life at times uh, in the pursuit of Jesus, in being devoted to serving him and whatever our callings are, we, like Jesus, will endure all kinds of hardships. Um, like, we're gonna, we're gonna experience rejections, we're gonna experience persecution, we're gonna experience demonic resistance, we're gonna experience all kinds of the effects of the fall, and, and he says, and he wants you to know today, uh, not to be unaware. He wants the church in, in 2 Corinthians, he says, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, uh, that this is what it's gonna feel like, that there's gonna be times of immense pain, affliction, uh, the Greek literally means distress, and it's gonna be so hard. Verse eight, look at this on the screen, it says this, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Okay, that's intense. This is a guy, I want you to think of Acts. This is a guy, uh, Paul, who in Acts 14, he literally gets stoned. And the Bible says that they thought he was dead, so they leave him. So that looks pretty rough. He's a guy who gets stoned with stones. They're like, he's dead. But verse 20 says, but when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. So this is a guy who's been through a ton. For him to say, I'm utterly burdened, must have been really, really intense. The Bible doesn't say what this experience was, but it does say he despaired of life itself. This, this word despaired, one commentator points out, it's a compound verb. Uh, the components of which, quote, point to the total unavailability of an exit. Um, have you ever been so burdened that you were like, I, I don't think I can live through this one. I, I, I feel like it's die, I'm gonna die. I can't, this is this unnerving despair. He's, and let me just point out here, he's not shying away from saying it. I think, you know, and Sometimes we feel like, you know, as Christians, we're supposed to always be, um, you know, not telling people that we feel like we're in despair. And, and Paul, Paul doesn't say that. He says, I have. He's like, I want you to be really sure about this. He actually says it twice. Like, I can imagine him, he's writing, you know, in, in his scroll, um, he even says this second line. He says, indeed. Okay, so just in case you thought uh, you read that wrong, he says, no, indeed we felt that we'd received the sentence of death. The, the NASB says, indeed, we've, we have had the sentence of death within ourselves. And, and some of you might feel like you're there today, or at least you're like trying to not get there. And... Um, and so when life is bearing down on you and when burdens seem beyond your strength, here's what Paul wants to say right out of the gate. 
not only is the God of all comfort there as we saw last week, but there's purpose in it. And what is that purpose? Well, number one, he says it's an opportunity to rely on God and not trust in ourselves. Look at verse nine, he says it this way. Uh, Indeed, he says, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely, not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. I love that. And and here's what I want you to hear right away before we go any further. When you read this passage, uh, please hear the heart of the Father. Don't read this passage, some of us do this right away. We read a passage like this and we go, ah man, I, you know, I don't rely enough, right? And we just, we feel like we gotta do more relying. And then we feel this kind of guilt come on to us. Don't do that, that's not the point of, think opportunity. Think, think, I, I need his living resurrection life. Um, and so it, it's an opportunity, an opportunity for what? Well Paul says this in verse nine, he says this, it's an opportunity to not rely on yourselves. Um, think about this with me. I think if we had a one-on-one with Paul, okay, like we just met him for coffee, um, and I think one of the common things he would say, at least to me, uh, would be this. I think he would speak into my life, it's very Christianese, I think he would talk about like self-reliance. Okay, so I think Paul would say, hey James, I, can I just say something to you? And I would be like, yes, of course Paul. And he would say, it's very serious. And then I would say, good, I, I only expect that from you. Um, here's what I think Paul would say to you. I, I think he would say, James, I think you've grown too self-reliant. And you know, part of my self-reliance would be like, hmm, okay. He would be like, James, you know, every time we meet, you, you mention all your commitments, you know, how devoted you are in this trial, how you maneuvered that thing, and, and how you press through, and, and yeah, you have some gifts, James, but you're always talking about how your disciplines and just your obedience just is the bedrock for your love for God. And, and you may not say that, you know, like directly, but, but you know, is, is, is that there perhaps? Right, he's probably got a huge smile on probably praying for some church, and then he'll say to me this. He'll say, James, can I ask you a question? I'll be like, please, please, Paul. He'll say, is your confidence that you're loved more on you than on him? And he'll just, you know, keep smiling. And, and what would I say? Well, I would probably say, I, you, Paul, like, I haven't thought about it that way. Right, and I'm trying to think, but I don't want to be defending. And then Paul would say this, can I say one more thing? And I'll say, of course, Paul. And he'll say, James, it looks like you're getting accustomed to trusting in your own charisma, your own theological knowledge, your own study. Like you, you seem to be you know, really trusting in and getting really dangerously close to taking credit for what only God can do in your ministry and in your marriage and in your life. And, and it just seems like you're trying to control those things rather than release them. And then he'll be like, does that resonate with you? And I will just look at him and go like this. Mm-hmm. And then he'll say this, he'll say, James, God wants to do this with you. He really loves you and serving him gets more intense. 
but he will lead you into burdens to give you the grace of coming to an end of yourself so that you can bring all those things to him. At that point, I will start bawling in the coffee shop and then the others will be like, we're glad we're social distancing, you know? But, but I want you to think about, it. I think this is what it would have been like. like. Like, I think it was as if God spoke to Paul in this trial in Asia and he said this, and I borrow this, it'll be on the screen, Paul, it matters immensely to me that you not look to yourself for strength or rely on your own uh, ingenuity. If there was ever any doubt in your mind concerning this, consider your condition. If I don't intervene and deliver you, you will most assuredly die. And this was a good grace. Paul saw this as a good grace. Sam Storms writes, Paul's affliction, as severe and unsettling as it initially may have been or even continued to be, was the most effective way to lead him to drink from a reservoir of rest and delight and sustaining grace that will never run dry. What we need to hear is that self-reliance is not a quality to be celebrated, it's a sin to be repented of. Like self-reliance isn't beautiful in God's eyes. And and I think, you know, oftentimes I was thinking like, how how do we apply it? And I'll do my best to apply this in a second here. But I think um, we have to remember anytime we're reading the New Testament, this is written to a church. So this is really literally written to a community. You can't do this without one another. And what I mean by that is I think one way self-reliance is killing us is when we believe the lie that if we tell people our stuff, like if we share with someone, um, I, I am burdened, I am weak, I cannot win, I can't, I am struggling, my, my t- like whatever your trial is, that you don't share that. That's self-reliance. I'm not gonna put this on someone else. Do you know what else that is? That's, that is, and you don't know it is it at first, but that's pride. I don't need others. I, I can maybe just, you know, have a little bit of a prayer and I can try to figure this out and tough white knuckle it. It could be shame. You know, like who am I that other people should care about me? But that's still self-reliance. And if you and I cannot share and bring to others in the presence of the Father, trusting the same Father who loves you is in them, we are gonna miss out a lot on what community and what, the, the, what Jesus says the one another's is about. And so um, when you join a community group this week, okay, um, have this attitude, I'm, I'm going to in this year show my weaknesses. Why? So that I can experience Jesus' presence and reliance on him. Have the resolve to die to being self-reliant in your journey with Jesus. Just say, you know what, this year, I'm gonna die to being self-reliant in my journey. I wanna be totally reliant. Okay, so that's scary, by the way. It's very humbling. Um, But here's what I wanna say. When you humble yourself in that way, everyone in the room goes, it's safe. Everyone in your community group, when you just go, man, I, I feel the burden of death within me, they go, that's normal? And, and, and that's when you begin to experience the reservoir of the grace of God that will flow through the gifts of God, which is to build you up, to be, help you become more like Jesus. Okay, so that's just the first part of the verse. So, so it's an opportunity to turn from, from relying on ourselves, but what does he say? 
but to relying on God. Look at verse nine again. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Okay, so what is relying on God? That's a good question. What is, what is relying on God? Here, here's my definition. Trusting him to be always our adequacy. Relying on God is trusting him to be always our adequacy. Relying on God is releasing any confidence in our abilities to him, and more specifically, it's, it's trusting in his risen presence with us. So let me try to explain this. I think um, in this moment for Paul, when he's feeling utterly burdened and without escape, the father brought to mind the reality of the resurrection. Like, I, I think whatever this was, some, so commentators speculate maybe he was in the Colosseums, like in Gladiator, and there was a, like a big lion or a bear, or, or maybe this was Acts 19 when there was a big riot. We don't know, but he is in this moment, and I think the Father brings to him the resurrection. And, and where I get that is from the text. He says, but on God who raises the dead. But this was make us to rely not on ourselves, but on God, not just God, but on God who raises the dead. I think it was as if he was saying, the Lord was saying, I'm alive. He's saying like, remember, I haven't left you. Like my resurrection power isn't in the past tense, but it's in the present. He says it, this is the God who raises the dead. It's like, it's like Jesus was saying, I'm still delivering. I'm still rescuing. I'm still getting my sons and daughters free. His resurrection power is still delivering his children from impossible circumstances. I'm really here in all my resurrection authority and glory. Now trust in your presence with me. So I think he's looking at his utter helplessness in this affliction and going, if Jesus can raise the dead, like if he can do that, then uh, he can surely be trusted and dependent on for this experience. I thought that came in right when Paul was like, what do I do? Okay, so let me just move to the practical for a second because one of my jobs as a pastor is to equip the saints for works of ministry. And so, you know, that might sound great for your own trial, but like we're called to just like do this with each other. And so, um, <clears throat> so let me ask you this question. If someone brings you, now really, really do this, okay? If someone brings you uh, an affliction, so something deeply burdening them, and they say, I think God is showing me my inadequacies. Like, like my strength and resources are done. I've got no escape plan. And then they ask you this question, how would I rely on God in this situation? What would you say? So they come to you, it's burden. They recognize they're not adequate. But they don't know how to rely. They say, so how would I rely on God? What would you say? I'll share with you what I would say. So take it if it helps. Here's what I would do. I would begin with acknowledging the burden of it. You just, you gotta enter into that weight and maybe sit there for a while. But then what I would do is I would take them to this text and I would show with them, I would share with them there's a grace here that where you are is a good place to be. They need to hear that. This is a good place to be, and then I would ask them this question, would you like to set your hope on him? And most of them would be like, that's why we're meeting. 
And then you say, I know, but would you like to do that together? And they would say yes. And then you, would, you could pray with them. And then I would say something like this. I would say, it's always good for our worship of God to rely on him. Let me say that again. It's always good of our worship of God to rely on him. The reason why I would go there is because the whole point of their Christian life is to enjoy being with the person, worshiping God, relying on God. And when you help them bring the, in their trial into their purpose, and that relying on God is a good grace. Because here's the thing, we are taught weakness is bad. We, we, we feel when you're weak, you're not as strong. We had parents who kept saying, toughen up, don't cry, hide your feelings, don't do this. And then we come to God the Father who's like, let me be everything for you. And we go, Ugh. you know what I'm talking about? No, just me, just, I'm the only one who talks to myself too. Renee, you're with me. Um, and, uh, and, and so here, here's what I want them to see. I want them to see relying on God is healthy. I want them to, be, to see relying on God is mature. I wanna encourage them. I wanna say this to them. Right now, you are so spiritually mature. And they'll be like, really? Because I feel like I got nothing. Perfect. That's perfect. That's, that's his presence in you. Because here's what's happening. When, when you have no resources other than the very presence of, of the of the resurrection Lord within you and you're abiding in his presence to help, it will increase your dependency and that is a good place to be. That is an opportunity. So then I would say this, you are in an opportunity. And I'd be like, what? And then I'd say, look at this text, you are in an opportunity. And they would say, okay, I still hate this, but I'm in an opportunity, now what do I do? Then I would ask them this question. I would say, who is Jesus to you? And I would wait. That question might take a while, but I would wait. Again, this is just what I would do. This is not based on this text. I'm just pastorally working with you. Um, here's why I would go there. Paul does. Based on the roots of reliance here, I would ask them this question. What does the resurrection mean to you? Do you believe Jesus rose? And of course they do, but stay there for a bit. Okay, about a month ago, a great friend of mine, uh, she's got a prophetic gift. She said to me, um, James, there are those who will leave Jesus in the grave. And as soon as I read that, I was like, oh man. I, I know what she's saying. And I think functionally, we know Christ is risen, but we actually live as if he's still in the grave. Like, like it's more comfortable if, if he's just doctrine, if he's just like, you know, this way. Um, but then actually leaving something with him and trusting in his presence. And then I would ask this question, what is the difference between believing I should rely on God and actually relying on God? The difference is, you know, is in actually practicing of, of, of actually not doing what you think you can do in your best control, in your best efforts. It's, it's actually leaving it with him. So let me ask you this question. What would it look like in your life to trust more in his ability to lead more than your ability to follow? 
What if you lived your life trusting more in his ability to lead rather than your ability to follow? Because he's really alive. Okay, so let's say this. When you hit a wall with, with your coworker or with someone in your CG or you get pushed away in maybe one of your friend groups or, or, or you know, for your beliefs or, or where you, where, what you believe about Christianity or walls come up in your marriage and you're like, what is happening? And this wall just comes up and it feels like death and uh, think this, think this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to rely on God and not trust in myself. It's an opportunity to say, okay, he's really dwelling within me, and then take a deep breath, and then hold the Father's hand, because he's really with you, and say, I don't know what to do. But you, Rose, and you do. Can you come now with your love and help me now put my confidence and my reliance on you? Okay, so let's say you're in a fight with your spouse, or a friend, or a teenager, Relying on God would be something, it could look like this. You listen to them, and you say to them, you say this. This will be really hard to say, but you'll say this. You know what, I hear you, mm, right? I hear you, and, and I wanna hear you, and I feel like I know the right thing to do or say, but I wanna take this to the one who, who raises the dead. I, I wanna take this thing to Jesus, who's really, really there, and I'm gonna bring him in the room, and I'm gonna go spend time with him, and can I get back to you? That would be an example of relying on a real person. That, that would be a belief, an action, where you actually turn to Jesus, you stop, and you move into his presence, and you rely on him, okay? Another example could be, it's not sending the email, because you prayed about it, and then you could control the outcome, but then you go, Wait, who's taking care of this, you or me? Right? It's not returning that text. It's, it's not giving the advice. It's first going to the Lord in prayer. That would be real reliance on a real person who's actually risen from death, who actually has the power. Um, when, you're in a, when you're in a hardship or your trial, it, it, it would, you can choose, I, will I put my confidence in my ability, in my best thinking now, or will I actually move into relying on God for this. It, it's an attitude of the heart. Whose power do I need? All right. That's all just like pastoral free counseling. So, you know, if you want it, great. You don't have to take it. When life is bearing down on us, when burdens seem beyond our strength, number one, it's an opportunity to rely on God and, tr and not trust in ourselves. Number two, when life is bearing down on us, when burdens seem beyond our strength, we can hope with an active trust He's going to deliver me. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 is mind-blowing, but I'm gonna show you verse 10 in other places in scripture. He says this, he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. How does he know that? He doesn't, but he does. Just think about how he's thinking. And then he says, on him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. So he says, on him we've set our hope. Paul always had in the bedrock of his trust in the Lord, in his life, Jesus risen can deliver every time. He always had in his life, Jesus can deliver every time because he rose. I mean, all authority, he just has that power. Paul seemed to have this kind of like realism in God. 
that, that, that was produced and produced in him this ongoing optimistic trust in the power of the resurrected friend he did ministry with. He was always like, this is my resurrection friend, I will be okay. And I'm sure he knew at some point his affliction would lead him to die, but he never lived that way. Like I can prove this to you, seriously, if you read the letters, he has this crazy constant trust, I'm getting free, I'm gonna get free, it's done, all we gotta do is pray and I'm free. All, that's how he thought. Let me show you a few passages. It's, there's more, but I'll give you a few. Philippians 1.19, he says this, yes, and I will rejoice. He's already, he's already happy about it. He says this, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. He's speaking of getting out of prison. In chapter two, he says, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come. In, in his letter to Philemon, listen to this confidence. Paul writes this, at the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Even, even Peter, Jesus is one of Jesus' close inner three who saw all the miracles of Jesus, and, and when he writes 1 Peter, which is a great Bible study, by the way, so if you wanna join a Bible study, it's still open, 1 Peter, they're studying it. Verse five says this, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The writers of scripture believed in the risen Christ. They believed, and I think it's okay for us to cling to the promises that he will deliver me. We can hope with an act of trust he's gonna deliver me. We can't, now let me be really clear. I'm not saying that we can give people certainty that everything will be, you'll get delivered. Like I'm not saying that. However, we can show them verses like this and we can say to them, we have the same father as Paul. We should, as believers, believe in the resurrection, that this God raises the dead, even in our dying, if he doesn't, he's glorified that we went out dying that he could. That's a big God. Our realism should be in the resurrection of Jesus, not in the circumstance or the trial. And Paul just, and let me say this, this is not emotionalism. Life in the spirit is a trust in the real risen Jesus. When Paul says on him we've set our hope, that's not subjective feeling. He's literally putting his hope on the, like he saw Christ risen from death, that changed everything for him. This is an objective hope. And by the way, if you're not a Christian, and maybe you've been kind of tuning in a little bit, the only way to receive forgiveness of sin the only way to have hope of not going into judgment, which is what we deserve for our sin, for our lives, all of our wrongs, the only way to be forgiven and have new life with Jesus is to believe in Jesus. You need to believe that he loves you, you need to believe that he's real, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross to pay for your sin, and that he actually rose from death to give you forgiveness, to give you new life with him, to give you his spirit. And he wants to have a real living friendship with you. And I, 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 I say this because I want to invite you today, because I know you've been sitting on the fence for a little while, I want you to invite you today to trust in Jesus. Rely on him for your deliverance, for your deliverance from sin and death. 
and it's done. You can do it right now. You can say, Jesus, I've been sensing you pursuing me, and I wanna be delivered from my sin and my life living for myself. I trust that you paid for my sin on the cross. You died and rose again. Come into my life and give me new life with you. You can pray that right now, okay? And if you prayed that, it's done. It's finished. Jesus has, you're, you're his. Okay, we're doing a baptism class on October, I mean, September 27th. We're doing baptisms October 11th. You, you can just let me know, email me. Uh, we also, by the way, we have an alpha class, which is a class that just explores life's big questions. Who is God? If, you, if you've ever had these apologetic questions like, like what about this and what about creation and what about science and Alpha is such a great place to just ask those questions and we wanna just encourage you sure to invite some people that, that is on your heart to come to Alpha. If you, if you prayed that prayer, come to Alpha. We'd love to just talk more, give you a Bible. Um, you can actually send a link. So, you know, little pitch here. We have a picture so you can click down here, there's our website, click Alpha, and then you can like send an invite a friend, and that will just send an email to them, and just let them say no. Um, all right, when life's bearing down on us, when burdens seem beyond our strength, it's an opportunity to rely on God. Number two, we can hope with an act of trust, and, and he's going to deliver me. And number three, in this text, when life's bearing down on us, and it feels like a sentence of death, prayer helps which produces a good reason to give thanks. I just get this right out of the verse. Look at verse 11. Um, it says this, you also must help us by prayer. Prayer helps. Uh, Corey Ten Boom, who uh, survived amazingly the concentration camps, um, uh, Pedram from our church got me into her. She's incredible. Uh, a little devotional. She writes this in prison. It's like a little like coffee time with me right now. You guys are loving this. I mean, sit down. Uh, years ago, I was alone in a cell for four months. One day for the first time, a beam of sunlight. Man, four months. One day for the first time, a beam of sunlight shone through the window. I jumped up and stood so that the sunshine touched my face. Slowly it moved on and I moved too, just to enjoy that beam as long as possible. That was one of the moments when I realized my loneliness as never before. I cried to the Lord and he answered, have you forgotten that there is always, under all circumstances, the sunshine of my love? Have I not said, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world? I am your peace. I can give you joy now also. I started to sing, first softly, later more loudly. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. I waited a moment and then I heard from another cell. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. It was an answer from a woman who also is in solitary confinement. Her husband had been shot before her eyes. Then she had been put in prison. But she too knew Jesus as her friend and savior. 
I answered her by singing, have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrow share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. A guard banged on the door and shouted, if you do not stop singing, I will take you to the dark cell. I stopped singing and threw myself onto my dirty bed. There was peace in my heart. The guard did not know when I sang so softly that only my Savior could hear. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou art finest solace there. Not only in solitary confinement can we can one feel alone, often in the company of many others with whom you have no real fellowship, you can be lonely. But Jesus is with you also. Have you asked him to come into your heart? Then you can talk to him without saying one word aloud. He hears and he loves you. You are very precious in his eyes. Hallelujah, what a savior. So as we close, I really felt like I wanted to lead us into a time of prayer. We're gonna sing that song. And that'll be another moment where you can just commune with Jesus. But I really felt like I wanted to give us an opportunity to confess self-reliance. I just think it would be so easy to leave and not actually spend time with the Lord in confession and and it's one of the things we do actually before we take communion. So Dale's gonna come up here shortly after I lead us into time of prayer and lead us into communion. But um, I wanna lead us into a small time of prayer and so these prayers will be on the screen. But I want us to begin just, you know, I'll give you 30 seconds where you are, where you are at home. And just, Father, I wanna confess in my own life that I've not invited you into and then whatever burden, weight you're carrying, just confess. And then just in your time, just release this burden to you who can raise the dead. So I'll just let you just, I'll give you a few seconds right here. Just confess. Yeah, Father, thank you that you hear us. I think of the text that says, cast all your anxiety on you for you care what happens to us. And yeah, we just release this into your hands. God, we confess that we do trust in ourselves, but we, we're excited to rely. Our hearts are that like we want to say we are inadequate. I just ask, would your very life now come and make this yoke easy because it's now yours in Jesus' name. Lastly, and the Lord might not answer this one for you because 
But, I, but I'd like us to ask, ask the Holy Spirit, is there someone that you would like me to share the, this burden with in the next few days or weeks? Because I, can, I know he does not want you to carry this alone, and he's given us the church. And so when you do this, it's an act of faith that you're not trusting in yourself. When you bring your burden, and it's risky, it is. But when you trust the Father in someone else to love you with his love, and you cast your burden, just ask him. Just say, Holy Spirit, is there anyone you want me to share this with? And then just in closing, and Dale, you can come on up. Um, Just something like this. Father, I really believe you love me. Some of you, that will be really freeing to even say that. But I really believe that you love me, and I ask now that you would come and fill me with your love and give me a greater awareness of your resurrection life within me. Did you know that the Father really loves doing what he does with you? Like, he loves it. He loves going to school with you. He loves parenting with you. He loves church planning with you. He loves working with you. He loves being with you. He really likes to be with you. And he loves to be the resurrection Jesus with you. So with that, let's now lead us into a time of, of communion. Dale. morning, uh, Shore Church. Um, it's, it's a privilege as one of your uh, elders, again, my name is Dale, to, to lead us in this kind of time of worship um, where we get to remember more succinctly all that Jesus uh, has, has done. Um, participating in the Lord's Supper, I'm really glad that we're back doing it again. It's, it's I think, one of those uh, sweet ways that we get to, um, even online here and in and, and, and presence, like we're, we're still getting to be the, the unity of believers um, in a way that, that only God could have had, you know, made and, and, and given to us because um, scripture teaches often that, you know, we are, we are one body. And so this is just a, an opportune thing. If, if you're uh, online um, or here, we just want to remind you um, this is a time for us as believers to examine ourselves. It's for, for those who proclaim the faith. So if, if you have not yet received Christ, um, we would just ask that you, know, you just watch us uh, as, as we celebrate. Uh, we're here proclaiming uh, Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Uh, if you are at home, this is a good reminder to get whatever you're going to take communion in in terms of what you're using to represent the body and the blood of, of Jesus. Um, for us here, you can grab your, uh, your small cup um, and just get ready to take the first part there of, of the wafer. Before I do that, I just want to, uh, I was reading uh, Colossians uh, earlier this week, and from Colossians uh, 2, 6, 7, it says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And so this is just, as we're remembering the, the, the sacrificial love that Jesus had for us by dying on the cross, uh, this verse just reminds us that, you know, this is a chance afresh, again, here this week to just 
be totally remembering in him in that, in that great act of love. And so I'll just kind of double back to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, in chapter 11, it says that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let us break the bread. And then we also uh, read in the same way he uh, also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the cup. And finally it says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's uh, death until he comes. And so I'll close in prayer. Father, then, thanks again for your, your great sacrificial love that we got to remember. Um, again, Lord, just in, in the massive kind of suffering that you did for us uh, by, your, by your grace. And that even as, as James taught so well, that like this is like the biggest way that we can easily remember, God, how to rely on you. That, and you helped Jesus rise from the dead, Lord, so we can just know that all our sins, all of our um, imperfections from how you would otherwise see us in terms of being righteous is all on the cross. God, and then as per that verse in Colossians, God, I pray that as we've celebrated this again afresh, that we would walk in your son, Jesus Christ, rooted in him and built up in him. In his name we pray. Amen.